So, Joey, they make these things called rugs. You might have heard of them. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast, brought to you by the best deck building site on the web for the commander format, EDH Rec. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined today by my lovely co-hosts. First up, the speedster whose article series takes you from 60 to 100, it's Matt Morgan. I want everybody to know something about me. It's that elevators terrify me. But don't worry, I'm taking steps to avoid them. Man, you got me. You got me good, Matt, as you always do. You never fail to deliver. Next, the man whose articles remind you to look in the margins. It's Dana Roach. How's it going, gentlemen? I have Escape 2. Exile two other podcast hosts from this show, and you can recast me for free. I would prefer that you never activate that escape cost. <laughs> and I'm Joey Schultz, author of the Commander Showdown series. All these articles and more can be found at edhrec.com, along with some awesome featured community content, such as other Commander podcasts and gameplay videos. EDHREC itself is a fantastic deck-building resource that compiles data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new Commander decks. And here on the EDHREC cast, we're going to give all that data a little more context. Fellas, it is our last show of the year, but also the last show of the decade. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's a crazy uh, um, milestone to have hit here. I can't believe we've already dug through the teens and we're into the 20s almost. I know. It's almost like we're a real podcast. I don't know. I can't <laughs> believe that people still uh, bother to, to listen to the stuff that we have to say, but it has been a really fun ride. 2019 was definitely pretty crazy, and here's to another year of podcasting and another decade of it, hopefully, too. But, man, some stuff has happened in the past week that we got to touch on before we get to our main topic for this episode. First, I was in Magic Fest Portland, but then also Dana had an awesome stream going on with MTG Lexicon, so a whole bunch of stuff was going on. So since both of you guys got to go to special events, I played some Commander, but it was just the LGS. It wasn't anything near as monumental as what you guys got to do. So what I'm going to do, Joey, I'm going to butt in again. I'm going to steer the ship for a little bit, if that's okay with you and, and Dana. I hope it's okay with you as well. <laughs> that seems only, only fair. Only fair. Well, good. Well, Joey, we'll lead off with you. You were at Magic Fest Portland. What was that like? What were some games that you got to, to, to jump in on? Did you meet anybody cool? Did you get to play any games with anybody cool? Last time at Seattle, it was quite the ordeal. Yeah, and it was also just as much fun here. I did get to meet some awesome folks, including people that I had the fortune of meeting in Seattle. So I got to meet up again with Olivia Gobert-Hicks, who was on the show uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I also got to meet up with Scott Larrabee of the Rules Committee and Michelle from the Lorgoifs podcast, who is a complete darling. We played an amazing game of Get This plane chase because of course we did and you will not believe the first plane that we flipped into as soon as we started the game was the goat plane oh nice <laughs> right off the bat so many goats you wouldn't believe so so many goats michelle ended up taking it there with just a bazillion blood artist triggers with her hypotra deck so many blood artist triggers that it made my sir conrad deck actually really jealous it was pretty amazing yeah there were a bunch of folks that i was able to meet up uh with while i was there at the magic fest in portland Probably one of the most hilarious moments, though, just while I was meeting people and playing games, I went with three of my friends, Sean, Jeff, and Ryan. Sean and I ended up playing a game with two strangers. They sat down at the table, and they introduced themselves, and they said, Hi, we're Jeff and Ryan. <laughs> we almost could not believe ourselves. It was such a weird one-in-a-million type of situation where Sean, Jeff, and Ryan had ended up, ended up playing with another Jeff and Ryan. It was pretty darn crazy. I imagine that's kind of the, the times you want to look over your shoulder and just see did Jeff and Ryan put this up to put these guys up to it? But but it's Jeff and Ryan, so of course they put themselves up to it. So kind of kind of silly right exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, anything else going on? It was pretty. How awesome. many? How many uh, just oh, epic oh, games? Absolutely. Let's hear it. Yeah, some amazing moments happened. I got to meet uh, Carson, who was the uh, fellow who enabled a really crazy collective voyage uh, play back in uh, Seattle that got me about seven lands on turn two. Um, I also got to play against this awesome guy named Daniel who kept stealing my stuff, so maybe he wasn't that awesome. Nah, he was pretty awesome. Um, a really funny play happened, probably the uh, the biggest trench gorger I have ever seen. I'm not sure if you guys remember this one, but it's like a sea serpent or something from the very first Commander product, and when it enters the battlefield, you exit 
exile as many lands as you want from your library, and then its power and toughness become equal to however many lands you exile this way. Well, there was a fella named Brandon who played this in his Phoenix deck, which means that the Trench Gorger became like a 36-36, and with Phoenix and a Thousand-Year Elixir that can untap that thing, he could just one-shot people by tapping the Trench Gorger. It was really, really terrifying. I never really gave that card the time of day, but that one absolutely, absolutely impressed me. Um, but probably one of the most fun games that I played was between uh, me, a fella named Dustin, and a fella named Ryan, again, and a fella named Miles, where we all played our graveyard deck. So I was on Mimeoplasm, Dustin was on Carador, Ryan had borrowed my Marin deck, and Miles was playing Mono Black Chainer, and it was graveyards for days. I've never been happier. So who played Leyline no, the Void? No scavenger grounds anyway there? No one brought a scavenger ground to that fight? So someone did play a Bajuka Bog, okay. <laughs> and I felt like that violated the pact. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that is not surprising that there's a pact among graveyard players that you're not supposed to do stuff with other people's graveyards. I mean, that just sounds a little silly, but you guys do you. Um yeah, so I also know that you. I saw you tweeted out that you got to do some drafting. What was what were the drafts that you guys ended up doing? Oh yeah, we got to do an awesome battle bond draft with Eric and Jack Landis. So that's Proggy Boog and Jack L Pup on Twitter. Really awesome dad and son pair that made some really sick battle bond plays. We also got to play commander with them, and Jack managed to get a fifty-two fifty-two consuming aberration with double strike in play, Ooh. and he was about to play a Rishkar's expertise to draw basically all of the cards. When my buddy Jeff jumped in with the card Backlash to force the Consuming Aberration to deal damage to Jack equal to the Consuming Aberration's power, which was just absolutely devastating. But Jeff was just like, no, I can't let you draw 52 <laughs> cards off of a race card's expertise and then play something for free. That seems bogus. That's so many cards. I, yeah, I, it's, I don't even know what you would do with 52 cards drawing uh, off one spell. I mean, I can think of a game, couple things. Probably. Win the, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but that was not the only draft that we got to do. There was also a really fantastic chaos draft on Sunday where I got to play with Olivia and Ben Bateman of Masters of Modern fame. Um, Olivia also kept stealing my stuff during the course of this chaos draft, but I got to pull together a really wacky uh, green and black brew just out of nowhere with a cool uh, sword that I pulled from a Modern Horizons pack from the chaos draft. It was absolutely weirdly crazy, but it was definitely a ton of fun. Really awesome folks that were there. I had an absolute blast, and I can't wait for us to all get together again to actually go to one of these things so that folks can meet the three of us in person. We have yet to assemble once more, and that would be a whole bunch of fun. So I hope that that gets to happen. That is definitely one of my resolutions for 2020. I think we can make that happen. Dana, are you on board? I think so, too. I'm on Perfect. board. Awesome. Yeah, there were a couple of folks that I didn't get the chance to play with while I was there. Carlos, Jason, Will. I'm really sad that I didn't quite get the chance to uh, get some games in, but there will definitely be future events. But hey, I'm not the only one who did something fun this past week. Dana also had a really cool stream going on. I did. The folks over at MTG Lexicon did a 24-hour stream that was um, for charity, and I participated in that. I played two games um, pretty late at night Saturday. I think it would have been about... Uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time, so it was about midnight my time when we started playing. Um, but yeah, I, I got in and played a couple games. Um, we had some technical difficulties with the software hoster for the second game, so that crashed out and we couldn't finish, but we did get to finish the first one. So I had a real good time. Um, that was fun to stream. It's a little bit weird playing EDH remotely like that when you go to put in a prison in the moon on someone's creature. You know, you can't just reach over and put it on their creature. You have to, like, put it down and make the note that that's what's been in prison because they're not there playing on the same table as you. <laughs> that does sound um, like I did have an interesting game. Yeah, that, that is that, that, like, does change things a little bit. Um, but it was a good game. I, I played my Vela deck in the first game, and uh, game went pretty well. It, my deck kicked off fairly quickly. Um, towards the end, though, the mono black player who was playing the Haunt of Hightower which was the buy a box from one of the Ravnica sets, um, cast a big Torment of Hailfire for like 10 or 11. And I had enough mana rocks out to cast an overloaded rift because I wouldn't have been able to cast it had I let the rocks bounce. I would have had to wait till, you know, like a turn or two passed because those rocks were um, 
uh, or, or losing the rocks to sacrifice, sorry, to the to the torment would have kept me from casting the rift. So I cast rift just to hit the the high tower player. Um, the problem, and, and then sacrificed all my stuff to the torment to not die. The problem was I kept one artifact, a skull clamp, thinking, well, if I played a creature, let me maybe draw to an answer. Um, that was the mistake because when it came back around to me, I top decked a Mirrodin Besieged, which is an, <laughs> the enchantment that has a mode where if you have 15 or more artifacts in your graveyard at end of turn, target player loses the game. And I was able to do a few things and get 14 into my graveyard. And had I, <laughs> had I sacrificed that skull clamp, it would have been 15 and I could have killed the uh, player who cast the torment and been in pretty good shape to maybe kill the other two players as well. But I didn't and then very quickly died shortly thereafter. So that, that just like, man, I, I wanted to win the game with with something that splashy, but I didn't quite do it because I got a little greedy and kept that skull clamp. That's so tragic. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> man, I wanted, I could see it. It was right there. So, yeah, that happens. What are you going to do? And the next game I played my recce deck um, and that kicked off really well because a Teferi's puzzle box came out and that's a pretty good card to have out when you're playing a commander who draws because it got me in the position. I think, I think it went around the board twice before we crashed out. And both times I was able to basically just like play my creatures out and then next turn have, you know, seven lands in hand almost and just shuffle those to the bottom of puzzle box and draw fresh new grip and play that stuff out till I had nothing but lands left. So I was in a position to do something disgusting had the uh, system not crashed. Sounds, but it was, I mean, sounds it, intense. Sounds, it it, it sounds was, like it would have gotten out of hand pretty quickly if not for, you know, uh, the unfortunate end. <laughs> yes, yes. It was moving that direction. But I had a real good time. It was it was really fun to do. I'm going to definitely try to play it with those folks again um, some night when, when we don't have... I think part of the problem was we had two people remoting in for those games, and that was just a lot to try to maintain versus they usually have three people in-house and one person remote if they do someone remote, so... In the future, I will definitely try to play with those guys again, and I will definitely let people know when that's going down. Awesome stuff. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a blast. Matt, we are really looking forward to having you do one of these events as well because they are so much fun. It's really awesome to be able to interact with the community in all of these awesome ways. But, guys, we can't just talk about the stuff that happened in the past. We also have to talk about stuff that's happening in the future. Our main topic for this episode is going to be the same as the end of the previous year we're going to be talking about some edh resolutions so i kind of want to just briefly go back over all of the products that came out this year we had ravnica allegiance war of the spark modern horizons magic corset 2020 commander 2019 and throne of eldraine so much happened this year those sets were completely crazy absolutely bonkers so I just want to get a brief impression of your overall feeling about 2019. Matt, let's start with you. So 2019, from a commander point of view, was actually pretty great. Uh, being, you know, I coming from the 60-card formats, 2019 actually kind of messed with a lot of, of formats. Standard, modern, and then Pioneer kind of went through a little bit. But Pioneer was brand new, so that was bound to happen. But for commander players, I thought it was a great year. Uh, I know some people, they weren't super keen on the Commander Precons, but I think overall, every single set brought a, a, just so much to Commander. It's really hard to say that it, it wasn't maybe even a banner year, which from the looks of it, 2020 is going to be even better. So I think as much as what we used to say about how from Dominaria, the next year moving forward was one of the most prolific commander years i think 2019 and 2020 are going to give that that claim a, a real run for the money yeah i i mean i just named the standard sets but then we also of course had the 2019 and the brawl precon so the products were definitely pretty flush this year do you have any impressions on those particular products the precons or the brawl uh products as well i thought they both did their job uh when we did our set review I, I tried to stay as positive as possible. There were some things that I thought were were missing, but I think overall they're still doing a good job of being that gateway into the format where you can you know, have somebody that's fairly new to the format go up there and, and say to an LGS owner, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'd like to play Commander. They can just give them the pre-con and, and go about 
you know, and, and have a, a decent way into the format. And from 2020 with the announcement video for all the pre-cons that are coming out throughout the year in 2020, I think that's kind of the goal moving forward. And, and, and maybe that's kind of a paradigm shift that entrenched players need to have, but that's something for a different episode altogether. But I, as far as the pre-cons go, yes, the Brawl decks, Corvold, Chulane, pretty, pretty nutty. Uh, I am trying to kind of play around with an Alila deck maybe, but I think that they're all, there's people that are going to be you know, drawn in by any given commander. And I think that's what they want to do is they want to draw people into the format. I think people already in the format like us, maybe it's not really for us, but that's fine because that, that means that there's going to be something else for us down the road in 2020, which I, I think Commander Legends next year is going to be insane. So I think it's it was a good year. Overall, I, I, I don't think we really have that much to complain about other than maybe, oh my gosh, there's so much going on here, but the you know Wizards of the Coast even said, Commander's probably the most played paper format, so let's start addressing that. So we have a lot of reason to be excited about what happened this year and then just moving forward as well. All right, and Dana, how about you? What is your overall impression of 2019? Um, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of product, but I, and I liked most of the product. You know, Matt mentioned people were a little bit disappointed perhaps with the Commander Precons, but a lot of those commanders are seeing a good bit of play. You know, the morph, I've seen that morph deck a couple times. Andre Falconrath, I've seen a lot of play. I've seen quite a few Chainer decks. I've seen quite a few, um, uh, who, who's the other commander in the Chainer deck? Um, Garrick? Yeah. Angie? Garrick and Angie. I mean, like, I, I've just seen a lot of those commanders get played as the commanders of their own decks, even in brews that aren't running very many cards in the pre-con. So, People like those commanders and are playing them, even though there was some disappointment there. Uh, it it was a strong year. I know you know Modern Masters maybe caused a lot of problems. Excuse me, excuse me Modern Horizons might have caused a lot of problems with Modern. But if you're a commander player, <laughs> there was a lot of great stuff there, and you know the problems in Modern aren't really your problem. Kind of <laughs> like <laughs> if you just want commander cards, that was a great set for commander cards too. So. I think it was a strong year in terms of product. I, I have a couple of smaller concerns. Um, you know, the, the power level of Brawl lets something like Chulain and Korvald not be super strong cards there, but when you put them in Commander, that's a whole different deal. So I'm a little bit concerned if we get cards like that or Arcane Signet that are, you know, balanced in Brawl. I'm a little worried what that's going to do to Commander. Um, and I don't think it's that frightening but you know they kind of have crowded out other cards in those color combos just because they're so much better than everything else i think that's not ideal um we've been told that commander is kind of the main driver of paper magic maybe moving forward because it's popular and because you can't play it online so i'm also a little worried that they might steer into that too hard and go for like the easy sell of printing super super strong cards things that might sell a lot of packs immediately but probably aren't good in the long term but that hasn't really happened yet that's just a kind of a concern based on the brawl deck so i've got a few things i'm, I'm kind of looking at and, and keeping an eye on but i don't know 2019 was a pretty pretty fantastic year for commander and that doesn't seem to be changing in 2020 I think that's fair. And you mentioned something in there, too, with the uh, the Brawl stuff. And we've talked about Julian and Corvald plenty before. And it's sort of interesting, I guess, for my personal impressions when it comes to different products like that. I wasn't as high on the Commander 2019 product, personally, although the Commanders were definitely pretty crazy. And I did myself, you know, try building Kyrick uh, here and there. My younger brother has a Kadena Morph deck that he is currently loving more than anything else that he's played, as far as I can tell. So it's definitely appealing, and I do definitely like seeing that. Plus, I also got to play against a Marisi deck this past weekend, and oh boy, was it really mean. So... Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff uh, to commend about those things, too. And I always like seeing what they come up with in the uh, Commander Precons. The Brawl decks, I guess, is sort of the note that I want to touch on. You mentioned that they might be fine in Brawl, but not necessarily in Commander. And I guess my hope for, you know, the year 2020 is just that any Commanders that are designed to 
you know, be in Brawl products and then also go to Commander, since that is, as I understand it, the purpose of the Brawl decks is that they are built to be a transition from the standard environment to the Brawl environment to then, once those cards rotate, become Commanders in the Commander environment. I would just like to make sure that those are actually even and not you know, potentially crazy once you actually get to the command yeah. environment. Because, oh boy, I'd also got to see some true lanes this weekend. And boy, howdy, everyone at the table, their jaws just dropped when they saw how much value that thing was able to produce. And it was a little bit crazy. Uh, so that's just, I guess, sort of tying into what I perceive to be the theme of 2019, which is sort of the year of experimentation for Wizards, which will obviously be ramped up even further in the year 2020, as we've seen from all of the products that they're announcing. But this definitely seemed like a place where they were beginning to toy around with our expectations in new ways. And that is fun to see. And it will definitely mean that there might have been some swings and some misses, but I am glad to see experimentation. I would rather see experimentation than swings uh, that are too tiny. I would rather see uh, them messing around with new areas rather than sticking to stuff that we eventually find being a little bit dull because we've already done it too much, maybe. I kind of want to ask now, not just about your overall impressions of 2019, but of all of the products, of all of the cards that came out. First, what was your favorite product this year? And second, what is your number one card of 2019? Oh, gosh. I, I think my my favorite product was, was probably Modern Horizons. There was just so much little weird stuff in there. First of all, I liked it because it felt so time spiral-y where they're like, oh, what the heck, let's put this and this and this on a card because we haven't done that before and let's see what happens. Like, I really, I really, really love that experimental throw everything at the wall and see what sticks vibe going on in the set, even among cards that weren't. That, that don't see EDH play. I think there was just so many fun things to read in that set and see and and look back on mechanics that you hadn't you know seen in forever. I, I adored that set and I was glad we got it. And your number one card? I mean, realistically, like if this isn't probably the most fun card, but Arcane Signet is a mana rock that goes everywhere in every deck, probably including CEDH. I mean, if you're just looking at it from like generic power level, that's the best card we got this year and probably in several years. Um, if we go into, if, if we kind of like dig beyond that just obvious easy answer, Smothering Tithe, I mean, I don't know if it solved any problems White had. I don't think it necessarily did, but what a just beating that card is. And it's kind of fun too. I, I do enjoy it. It's, it's a super powerful card, but... Um, it's fun to play with, and it's not terrible to play against. It doesn't have that Rhystic Study thing going on where it's super annoying. Um, so yeah, I, I that would be my my answer if I ignore just raw power, which I think is Arcane Signet. <laughs> gotcha. All right, Matt, now let's move that question on to you. What was your favorite product this year, and what was your number one card? Ooh, the, man, it, it was really hard. I know... Some people are asking me for a top 10 list. It took me a lot of thought to get to just narrowing it down to 10 because I think it was probably 20, 25 cards that I had as far as just candidates for what could go on a list and cards that I wouldn't blame anybody for putting on a list for for top cards. So, mm, man, I want to say War of the Spark was pretty nutty. Both both of the Ravnica sets we got in 2019 were pretty good, but I think War of the Spark, just the depth of what was in that set. Modern Horizons, Dana, I I 100% agree, gave you pretty much a toy for any deck that you have. Probably got something from Modern Horizons. Uh, But War of the Spark, there there was so much good stuff. The power level was crazy. It did kind of mess with Standard a little bit, messed with Modern a little bit. But for me, Finale of Devastation has led to so many memorable games. <laughs> it's it's really hard for me to pick against it. Smothering Tithe, yes. I I cast a Torment of Hailfire for nine on turn four because I soul ringed into a turn two Smothering Tithe. And I still lost that game somehow, but it, it, none of that would have happened without Smothering Tithe. And so it's Smothering Tithe, it's probably one of the single most powerful cards that we got this year. But Finale of Devastation is so fun, and it just is such an upgrade over things like Court of Calling and almost even Genesis Wave. So Finale of Devastation probably has the number one spot in my heart. 
That's amazing. I really like both your guys' picks. I do side with Dana on the favorite product being Modern Horizons. That was my personal favorite. I love just looking through the cards and seeing the ways that they break the fourth wall or that they call attention to really funny stuff uh, that, you know, are in-jokes for entrenched Magic players. But you guys are very clearly obviously wrong about the best card that we got within the entire year of 2019. It's obviously Feather. You guys are just wrong. I can't believe you that you would ignore (laughs) the wonder and beauty that is Feather the Redeemed. She's clearly the best. How could you? I'll get over it. Uh, So also kind of a funny observation, on our previous year's resolution episode, we mentioned Brawl a number of times because it was kind of a uh, burgeoning uh, sort of new experiment um, at that time. And I'm kind of wondering, have any of us actually played Brawl in the year 2019? (laughs) Did any of us do that? I I played one game of Brawl um, and it was perfectly fine and it just made me want to play Commander. So then I did that. (laughs) Matt, how about you? I played zero games of Brawl, and I saw zero games of Brawl being played at any given time. Even early in the year when the Steam was kind of all built up and everybody's a little more hyped about it, I think the hype, at least in my area, kind of died down. I don't think I saw a single game of Brawl being played in 2019. Gotcha. And this is just probably from the circles that we operate in. We really don't know how popular it is and whether it's growing or shrinking. I also myself didn't uh, find any Brawl, but at the same time, I also realized that I hadn't gone out of my way to play Brawl. So it will be interesting to see how that develops in the future as well. One of the reasons that I bring up, you know, the stuff that we talked about on the previous episode, such as Brawl, is because on our previous episode, we had talked about setting some resolutions for ourselves in the year 2019. So I kind of want to try and hold us to account a little bit and see if we actually met any of our resolutions. Did we actually adhere to them? Because I have a sneaking suspicion that we didn't. Dana, (laughs) we are going to start with you. So on the previous resolution episode, we know that you had had a personal resolution, a personal challenge about potentially building a fling deck. And as I understand it, you did build a crash fling deck. I did. I put crash together. I actually had forgotten that it was in early 2019. I built a deck because one of the things I think I mentioned on the show, you know, several weeks ago was. I hadn't built a new deck this year, and I was kind of trying to figure out if I wanted to try to quick get one built for 2019. Well, I did that. I, I do have a new deck in 2019 that I did keep. I, I built several decks I didn't keep, but Crash survived the uh, initial testing and has been a deck I really enjoy. So that was a challenge I absolutely did meet. I built that fling deck and have found I've really, really enjoyed it. So that's made it into the stable of decks I keep. Great. That's good to hear. There was also one other challenge that I remember you having, and that is you saying that you want to challenge yourself to try more cards, do your homework on more cards. And the uh, specific card that you had mentioned on that episode was stuff like Psychic Possession, an enchantment that lets you draw cards when other people draw cards, but you have to skip your draw step. You weren't really sure if it would make it, but you know it always had been kind of like the 101st, the 102nd, the 103rd card and never quite made the cut. But then one of those days you just you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put it into the deck and I tried it out and it turned out to be a lot of fun for you. And you said that you wanted to try and do more of that type of homework. Just do it. Try out the weird card in the future for 2019. Do you think that you accomplished this resolution? Um, I did. I made it a point probably once a month-ish to add something new to a deck that I felt like probably wasn't up to the power level or wasn't as consistent as I normally would like, but I wanted to try it out anyway. Um, Actually, in that Crash deck, it it was a plus one counters deck as well. So there's an enchantment evolutionary escalation where during your upkeep, you put three counters on a creature and target opponent puts three counters on a creature. Um, Well, because when a creature and opponent controls dies, Crash gets bigger. It was way less painful i thought you know letting them buff up a creature that was just going to die to buff crash down the road anyway so like i tried cards like that that i wouldn't normally have ran that card but i wanted to give it a go in that particular deck and i ran it for four or five months um before it you know i think something from eldraine bumped it out just because i needed to find a slot but i made an attempt i think pretty frequently this year to to just try cards that I felt like normally wouldn't be good enough, but I wanted to try them just to shake things up. 
Awesome. That is good to hear. And that also sounds like the kind of thing that more of us can do in the future as well. But you didn't just challenge yourself with some personal resolutions. We also gave you some challenges. And I remember Matt saying that he had challenged you to potentially build either, for example, a Jeskai deck, because that was pretty far outside of your wheelhouse, or something high risk. Have something that is very high risk, high reward that might work, but also might completely crash. But the times it does work, it's going to be awesome, as opposed to the really consistent value that you're so famous for. Do you think that you met Matt's challenge? I think so. I think I kind of combined those into one deck because one of the things you challenged me to, Joey, was also to try group hug. So I had put that Varchild deck together, um, which was very, very high risk to you know successfully pull it off where I would give someone a bunch of those tokens and then be able to take them back at a key point and use them offensively to swing through and take somebody out. So I think that kind of did two-in-one work for me. I kept the deck around for a couple months. It didn't. It isn't one that's that stuck around just because it was. Um, it, it would be a little frustrating to play at times. But I think I, with that deck, kind of hit both of those, both outside my wheelhouse, a little more high risk, and doing something a little group huggy. All right. So I was leading up to this whole. So then there was my challenge. Did Dana build a group hug deck? And you're saying that the Varchild was your attempt at that. That's as close uh, as I'm probably <laughs> ever going to want to build group hug. All right. You know what? That's fair. That absolutely makes sense. Uh, Matt, let's move on now to you. There were a couple of challenges that you had set for yourself and that we had set for you. One of the personal ones that you had mentioned was that you were actually considering changing up some of your uh, long entrenched decks, some of the uh, constant stable. You were considering changing Omnath Locus of Rage into Thromok. Did you actually change any of the decks that you have in your arsenal in 2019? I So I made Kaikar that kind of switched from my Shu Yun tokens deck and then Kaikar just, oh my gosh, yes, this is going to happen. But as far as changing Omneth to Thromok, I actually sat down to, to play a game and I pulled out Omneth and said, okay, this is the last time I'm playing this, this deck. I'm retiring it after tonight. I just want to play it one more time. And... It lit my fire. I, I was so excited. I All those synergies <laughs> nice. that I enjoyed playing with Omnath just happened to come out in that game, and I couldn't bring myself to, to changing it up. So Omnath, every time that I've, I've thought about switching that deck up, it's just been like, hey, no, please don't. Let's have fun. <laughs> so I, I still have Omnath. Uh, none of my decks really changed that much other than Shu Yun becoming Kaikar, and that actually, in my area... Uh, that that set, that core set, all those commanders got a ton of play. And so Kaikar, actually, I haven't even touched in six months, I want to say, because it just it's not fun when everybody's playing the exact same decks. You know, I, I saw a couple times there would usually be two Kaikar decks at, at a pot at any given time, and that's just not... This is not exciting for me. I want to be doing something a little bit different. Not quite as hipster as Dana, but I also don't want to be playing the, the, the <laughs> tier one, you know, number one built commander in the shop. So Kaikar is getting kind of taken apart to, to fuel some other decks. So that's probably the biggest sweeping change I made to any given deck. Gotcha. Uh, when we look through the challenges from the previous year, we also can see that Dana had challenged you to build either something monocolor or something just plain weird, something that wasn't quite the uh, the normal path for the commander, sort of taking something, a, a strange strategy for a commander that other people aren't necessarily doing. Do you think that you've met that challenge? So I didn't yet, but that is actually what I'm working on. So I've been brewing around with Alila, like I said, the artful provocateur. And I think I have something that's kind of Dana-ish, but I still think would tickle my fancy. I've been playing around with making it kind of a Alila historic deck with lots of sagas and legends and artifacts, obviously, to fuel Alila's ability. But the synergy nice. that really tickles my fancy is playing sagas and then replenish. Because Replenish takes all the enchantments Ooh. out of your graveyard, puts them on the battlefield, and you just start everything over again. Stuff like that, to me, because then you can play That's super the, cool. the saga that gets instants and sorceries out of your graveyard, so you just get Replenish over again and just lather, rinse, repeat. That sounds like something up my alley. So that's that's what I'm playing around. It's a little weird. It's, a little, it's not quite Alila, the, the typical deck. Because Sagas, there's not a ton of support with the new Theros set, though. I'm, I'm kind of hopeful to see what Sagas are, are coming out there. That sounds 
So spicy. I love that. The replenish, getting a whole bunch of sagas in play at one time and then replenishing. The, I, yeah, that's fantastic. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little floored. Yeah, yeah I love sounds, it. And then like Hex Parasite even but, just to kind of play around with. Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what this looks like when I get done. We might need to shut the show down so that you can send me the full list for it, like immediately. That sounds so cool. Oh, I'm really excited. All right, perfect. So I'm glad that you uh, were able to meet that challenge. There's also a challenge that I had set for you, though. Uh, your article series, 60 to 100, takes something like a modern deck or a standard deck and turns it into a functional commander deck. And I had actually changed, uh, challenged you to do that in the inverse. Take a 100-card deck and maybe apply the philosophies of that deck to a 60-card format like Modern or Legacy. Is that something that you were able to meet in 2019? So for myself, no. So like, like I said earlier, 2019 kind of did some things to, to 60 card formats that, man, it's, <laughs> if, if you ask any competitive player, three mana planeswalkers, it just conjures up bad memories. Uh, to the, the three cost to fairy, it, that might be one of the bigger influences to why I don't play Legacy because it, it just discourages so much of what I love about Legacy. So I, I got a little bit away from 60-card formats this year, actually. The closest that I think I got to taking the principles of a commander deck and putting it into a 60-card deck was uh, there's an old deck that uses Burning Tree Emissary to basically make a bunch of mana, replace itself, and then you go super wide and then you cast a Tarka's Command and you just ham hock your opponent on you know turn three. It's super fun. It's it's kind of glass cannony, kind of like some commander decks can be, but it goes so wide like some of these token decks do. I did brew that up for one of my buddies who's playing that deck in Pioneer. So it was really fun to see just how much fun he was having with that. But yeah, I, I'm excited about what Pioneer's doing. Uh, some people were kind of talking about the bands, but they even said when they announced Pioneer. We want this to be a complete sandbox of a format. And that doesn't happen very often. So I was very, very excited to see what people were playing and experimenting with. So hopefully next year I'll, I'll get a little bit, bit more back into 60-card formats. But this year just, man, War of the Spark and Modern Horizons threw everybody for a loop. So it was it, it turned me off just a little bit. But I don't worry, I'm not that deterred to just give up entirely. War of the Spark, Modern Horizons, and definitely Throne of Eldraine. Sorry, I just... I I love that you're so excited for Pioneer. I also agree. Witnessing the birth of a whole new format is really, really awesome to see. But I just want to caption the thing that you said. 2019 did some things to 60-card formats. That's definitely one of the highlight quotes of the year for me. That's just... That's a, a very polite way to put it, Matt. I absolutely love it. Uh, moving on to the challenges that had been set for me, I had had a personal challenge, a personal resolution for 2019 to build something aggro. On the last year's um, resolutions episode, I'd actually potentially uh, put out Saskia or maybe Thantis as an option uh, for something to play that uses the combat step because... Joey uses graveyards, but he never really uses the combat step. Well, Commander 2019 brought us Graven Predator Captain, who sacrifices your creatures when he attacks, uses your own life loss to turn him into power so that he can attack your opponents, and uh, that's been so much fun for me. I have actually, I'm very proud to say that I met that challenge and I built something that actually uses combat as its primary method of victory, and it's been a whole bunch of fun. I hope you guys are proud of me. Nice job, Joey. Uh, but then it comes to your guys' challenge. Dana had challenged me to build a Super Friends deck, maybe something off the wall like the Peer and Toothy list that I had put together sort of theoretically. I did play it. I did not like it. <laughs> I got I to confess, the, uh, the Super Friends strategy was just very, very grindy, and it felt a little difficult for me to keep my own attention there. Like, it was effective, but it just felt a little... Uh, I don't want to say dirtly because that's that's not accurate. It's just finicky, maybe, and it, grindy, I guess, is the word that I'll keep coming back to. And Dana, I got to be honest, I don't know how you do it with that Jeru Mono White Super Friends deck that you have because I tried it in Simic, and even that was a little bit uh, too much um, finickiness for me. So I don't know how you do it. In hindsight, um, I'm surprised I made that challenge <laughs> um, and not remotely surprised that I wound up not being your jam. So I, I get it, Joey. Yeah. Uh, then there was Matt's challenge. And Matt's challenge was the easiest of any of our challenges. And that was for me to build a deck that used the card Rest in Peace. <laughs> Did you? Did you, though? See, here's the thing. 
Feather the Redeemed was printed in 2019. Oh. And she doesn't use the graveyard at all. And she's the most beautiful thing that's ever existed. So this Sultai player can be convinced to get rid of all of the graveyards when it comes to something as blazingly beautiful as the best character from all of magic lore, Feather the Redeemed. So I did manage to do that. I have the rest in peace there. I have the Relic of Progenitus there. And it feels so weird. And it feels like a total betrayal of my inner self. But I did manage to do it. Well played, and Joey. Actually, Good job. I mean, what I'm looking at here, you know, going over the past challenges, I think we actually met a lot more of the resolutions than I anticipated us meeting. So good job, us. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm very happy with all those results. Which begs the question, do we have any new resolutions, either for ourselves or for each other? Dana, what about you? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I've joked plenty of times on here before about missing triggers. Um, and, and one of the things I've been trying to come up with is a way to... To not do that like it's one thing to say oh i missed triggers i needed to, to do less of that but like you need to actually implement a way to solve a problem versus just acknowledging the problem and hoping it magically goes away <clears throat> so i've been thinking about that and quite a few people in my shop use those little it's like almost like an etch-a-sketch kind of digital pad that you can write your life total on to keep track of life totals in games and I might start using those as a reminder for triggers and just writing things down. Okay, on your upkeep, this, this, this. So that is one of the things I'm going to resolve to do this year is try to implement a solution for something that's a problem for me. I actually can get behind that. Usually I try to do uh, you know weird stuff like putting dice on the top of my deck or something like that. But honestly, any extra mnemonic that you can use yeah. to help jog your memory is definitely a good idea because I've seen your decks and they've got so many moving pieces and intricate little synergies that it is a definite struggle to keep up with. So any extra stuff that you can do there definitely makes a lot of sense. Matt, how about you? So one thing that we kind of touched on a little bit is I'm, I brew a lot. I come up with a lot of ideas and I like to play around and, and kind of theory craft, but I never actually put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. So for all the decks that I, I come up with and I, I get excited about, I need to actually build one. Uh, <laughs> you guys have shamed me into updating my decks more often. Now I need to actually <laughs> build a deck more often. So my goal is to just actually build a new deck, maybe from scratch, uh, I used to kind of have the rule where if it didn't fit in my backpack with all my other decks, I didn't want to put it in there. Well, one of my Christmas gifts for my mom was a new backpack, which fits about eight more deck boxes in there. So I'm not going to build that many new decks, but I do need to to build just a brand new deck. I haven't done that in a couple years now, actually. So um, I need to, I kind of need to just finish that off. Gotcha. That definitely that that resonates with me as well. I have a kind of weird personal challenge that I'd like to see if I can meet in 2020, and that's that I want to look at each one of my decks and see if I was forced to change the commander of that deck. What would I change it to? And then actually maybe go through with changing that. For example, when I look at my Lord Windgrace deck, do I find a different commander that might be able to carry that... Uh, carry that deck forward and then see if I want to go through with that change. Uh, maybe that means that I reduce the colors or I expand the colors. Maybe I go to Titania. Maybe I retry Omnath. Maybe I change it to who knows what. Uh, maybe when I look at Mimeoplasm, if I was forced to change the commander of that deck. Maybe when I look at Rehan and Ishai, if I was forced to reduce a color from that deck, what would it turn into? I kind of want to try that experiment and apply it to each of my decks. Not necessarily because I want to change the, you know, the arsenal of decks that I have, but I want to see you know how that challenges me and make me focus on what the spirit of the deck is and what I enjoy most about it that isn't just in the command zone of that deck and see if I can transfer the spirit of that deck uh, so it goes um, into another deck uh, that has something similar along that strategy and watch how that morphs. That is just a personal challenge um, that I think will sort of get my creative juices flowing that I would like to try out in 2020. Do we have, I have to ask, any challenges not just for ourselves but maybe any for each other? So I have a couple, one for each of you. Dana, I know that one thing that bothers you more than anything, just talking to you and knowing you as long as I have, is when people come in and they have decks that are just blatantly at a different level when it comes to the power scale. So sure. one thing that I, I've, I've noticed I've done is I keep my Niv-Mizzet Perrin deck around as kind of a, a, a peacekeeper 
make sure people are you know playing by the rules, so to speak. Uh, keeping people involved. If one person's trying to, you know, dunk on the table, I kind of have that around so that I can make sure this person doesn't get too out of hand. And I actually, I had to do that. I had to use this person tried to go turn five swing with Grevin for lethal at this person. And, and the kid that he was swinging at was still in the, well, I only play cards that I get out of a, a pack stage. So it was very much him going out of his way to, to pub stomp as it were. So I had to use Cyclonic Rift to make sure that didn't happen. I used it defensively for somebody else, which I've never done before. But it, I, I like being able to point to, hey, let, let's keep people alive. Let's play beyond turn five. I would like to see you build a deck, not just that is very synergistically powerful, but something that you can play that can kind of keep up with some of those more powerful decks that you can kind of help maybe kind of play the, the role of the, the peacekeeper in your playgroups. I know you've kind of talked about how you are one of those community leaders at your at your local shop. So something like that to maybe help encourage people to not lie about their power levels or, or mislead people and kind of be a little sh- shady. Okay. I, I think it, it would fit something that is a goal of yours, is making sure that people are having a good time but it's not something that's going to be completely overpowered. You're not going to play it just willy-nilly, but it's something that is more powerful than a typical deck that you would build. But it's something also that you can use to kind of keep people in line and make sure that, you know, it's fostering a, a better, you know, experience for everyone else at the shop. All right, I can do that. That's a pretty interesting challenge for Dana, and it kind of flies completely against the challenge that I have for you, Dana. <laughs> My challenge is not to honor the sensibilities that you have and the philosophies that you take into Games of Commander, but to completely upend them. My challenge for you is that I want you to build a commander that is popular. Oh, no. Oh, man. I just want to see if you're capable of it. That's all I want to see. All right. Wow. That is going to be shut down. <laughs> it just well, makes me like just makes my skin crawl, Joey. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it to the, we'll see the, the top five hundred to of all time, maybe. There's <laughs> <laughs> right. only like eight hundred legendary creatures in the game. That's, anyway, that's still closer let's move than on to our challenges. It's <laughs> <laughs> still closer than he likes to get. Yeah. I understand. yeah. Uh, let's move on to our challenges for Matt. Dana, what is your challenge for him? So uh, my challenge for Matt is. Again, step out of his comfort zone a little bit, and we're going to have Matt play in Joey's playground just a little bit, and maybe build a Golgari deck. (gasps) Dana, you and I are thinking along the same lines. That's my challenge for Matt, too. Oh, nice. (laughs) I have Moldrotha. That's close enough. (laughs) It's not close enough at all. And you know, there's there's a lot of cool commanders there. There's you know all the obviously the the big power names, but there's you know we've talked about Reese Exiled before or Sapling of Colfenor who were down in that list of popularity. So there's some I think really cool stuff in Golgari, Ishkanoth the Graph Widow that doesn't see much play that you, would still allow you to flex your brewing muscles a little bit, but it's going to be in a color combination that you don't play very often. Yeah, or maybe I can uh, change up my challenge for you a little bit, Matt, too. Basically, try to do the cheaty face thing that Joey loves so much. You know, not just necessarily Muldrotha casting stuff from the graveyard, uh, but actually reanimating, like paying one or two mana to get back an eight mana thing from the graveyard feels really great. Or using stuff like, uh, I don't know, Yannette cheats things into play, too. Maybe trying that spirit uh, that, you know, Joey is so famous for, that Joey loves, that really feels very outside of your traditional comfort zone. Uh, That's the kind of thing that I would like to see. So Golgari is definitely a color combo that I know you don't play very often, or if you do some of the, the cheaty stuff, sounds really great. I would love to see uh, you your your take on, on those builds as well. So, oh, Dana, I'm so happy that we were all in the, uh, the, same, the same wavelength there. That nice. just makes me really, really speechlessly happy. I absolutely love it. Uh, but now I am realizing <laughs> that I'm actually feeling a little bit of dread because it's time for you guys to challenge me. All right. Matt, what is your challenge for me? So my challenge for you, Joey, is... I know you love your value. I know you love your graveyards. I know you love recurring creatures, all that kind of fun stuff. I get it. I would like to see you build a deck that revolves around spells and not creatures. That's something that I know Feather kind of touches on that a little bit, but it still revolves around keeping Feather on the battlefield to make those spells worth it. I would like to see you build maybe a control deck. We talked about aggro this year, so next year, 
Let's do something that doesn't require <laughs> creatures on the battlefield for it to be effective. Oh, you monster. <laughs> All right. How can we find a way to make spells graveyard-based? <laughs> I will think on it. Dana, what's your challenge for me? So my challenge for you, Joey, is in its own way kind of the opposite of what you challenged me. It's, oh? it's not that you're not a hipster, but you tend to gravitate to commanders that catch your eye because they're flashy. And I think that tends to be newer commanders. I want you to build a commander deck using a commander that was first printed with the original original frame and border. So something prior <laughs> to modern being a format. I feel very seen right now. <laughs> oh, you guys back, back are when artifacts were brown. Monsters. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. There we go. That's the perfect back when artifacts were brown. That's deliciously devious. I love you both so much. This is an excellent challenge. I am absolutely looking forward to it. And hey, I would actually like to know from our listeners as well, what challenges they have for us? What resolutions would they like to see us meet in the year 2020? But also, what resolutions would you like to hold yourselves to? What challenges do you have for yourself? in the year 2020 for Commander. It is shaping up to be a very, very crazy year for the format. So it's really cool to take that spirit that Watsi has uh, you know, taken to make all of these new products, to try out all these new things, such as with Commander Legends and with all these new Commander Precons that are coming out, and also find ways to experiment and challenge in ourselves, too. It's going to be really, really crazy to see how the year develops. Listeners, we hope that you enjoy this ride with us. And with that, I think we're going to call this episode and this year and this decade to a close. I'd like to thank my co-host so much for joining me. And if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where can they find you all? You can find me on Twitter at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And Dana. You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach. And you can hear me twice a week on my other show, CMDR Central. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter. Special thanks to our editor for the show, Ken Peddle, also known as Kenish Norn. You can follow him on Twitter at Loader. That's L-O-A-D-3-R. You can follow EDHREC and the cast on Facebook and Twitter, and you can contact us at EDHRECcast at gmail.com. Plus, you can find us on iTunes. And if you do, please consider leaving us a review to help other folks find the podcast as well. This cast is posted every week on EDHREC's community content spotlight section, where we feature as many other content creators as we can, from Command Zone to Commander Sprue to Commander Versus, not to mention new articles published every day by our own fantastic team of writers we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights but until then remember edh wreck your deck before you wreck your deck happy new year everybody P.S. Keep an eye out in 2020. Idiotrek has some awesome surprises coming up both to the show and to the website. Keep your eyes peeled. 